Happy Tuesday. Welcome to day seven of Girl Trek's Black History Bootcamp. I'm going to be your co-host and guide for today. I'm Vanessa. I'm walking and talking in Washington, D.C. Um, thank you for joining us on these past seven days. I'm joined by my dope friend, Morgan. Are you there? What are, oh, I'm here. <laughs> What's up, Morgan? Um, Morgan is the co-founder of Girl Trek. We co-founded this movement and leaded with um, about a dozen, maybe 15 of the most amazing and talented Black women on the planet. And Morgan, I'm pumped because on day seven, we are going to be talking about an absolute unsung and relatively unknown but super powerful activist, Olive Elaine Morris. And I had a thought that Right now, I hope there is a woman who called in today to walk and talk with her little girl and that one day somebody will be talking about one of the little girls who's listening in on this call. I thought like that's how the cycle repeats itself. So I had that thought right before the call. I'm setting that as an intention that there is a young girl, a young black girl listening who will be so inspired by the story of Olive that she herself will lead a life of service and activism in a really powerful way. But before we get into that, Morgan, how you doing? I just hope that little girl don't listen to your playlist. <laughs> look, look, did you get the email? I said Olive with a capital G. That woman was a gangster. And if you, y'all need to start by Googling her pictures, because I know you've seen them, Morgan. Every single one of them, she is looking in the camera like, I am about that business. I will give you the work. Like, that's what, when I saw her pictures, I was like, we starting this with Rihanna, bitch, better have my money. Because she has the <laughs> island roots, because Olive is from Jamaica, and because she was no, just you about. You don't got to me. That's yeah. my deal. That's my deal. I'm just saying, don't let the little Just keep listening. Just keep listening. We got a little Janet Jackson pleasure principal on there. We got a little Beyonce. We got a little Desperado. I had so much fun putting that playlist together. I was actually, it's funny. I had fun putting it together and not funny because Olive, and I'm going to get into her life in a moment, y'all, but Olive Morris passed away at 27 years old, Morgan. Her life is a testament to what you can do in a short amount of time. But as I was putting together the playlist, I was like, Olive is us. And I'm 42, so she's really younger than me. <laughs> but she's a young Black woman of today. <laughs> and I was like, what would she be listening to as she was occupying a building? So I really did have fun making that playlist. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm a little, um, a little tired. I um, didn't sleep that great last night. But I'm focused and I'm here. And I feel like this is such a great privilege to talk to women and to be like in the ears of our sisters. So I want to... Um, rally and to say hello and to say thank you again um, and to say shout out to all the trekkers out there who've been holding us for a year, two years, three years, some of you five, six years. I'm just so grateful for y'all. I'm just so grateful that you hang in there. Thank you. Thank you for tagging us on stuff. Thank you for wearing your Girl Trek shirt to the grocery store for all these years. Thank you for believing that we could get to a million women walking. 
Thank you for sharing and making this our biggest walking campaign ever in our history. Um, and thank you just for showing us today on the pavement. So I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone, in addition to our staff, all of our organizers out there. I just really appreciate you all. Yes, I do too. Um, I do too. I do too. I appreciate everyone. This is your testimonies have just been beautiful. Please use hashtag Back to Sea Bootcamp. Please invite a friend to join you. It's not too late. We're going to do week two, and then you'll have all weekend to catch up on any of the days that you missed. Um, and every day we're just talking about amazing women. And we're mostly just walking in community with each other. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more. Again, I want to talk about loneliness because Olive talked about that. But before we um, officially get into our conversation, I'm, a, I'm dedicating today's call to a white man. His name is Edward Colston. He was a member of the Royal African Company which transported about 80,000 men, women, and children from the Africas to the Americas. And Morgan, yesterday, where Olive lived, in Brixton, where he bequeathed all his wealth to building up the buildings and making monuments and statues to the, the awful shit, excuse my language, young women that he did, that yesterday they toppled his statue and put it in the river. And I was like, on the day before we are talking about Olive, Edward Colston, I believe it was Olive Elaine Morris's absolute spirit that rose up in that city and said, this ain't happening. So let's get into it, y'all. This is the time where I'm just gonna run through a bunch of quick facts about Olive. Please check the um, email. It has some additional resources in there. This was a theme throughout, Morgan, that we are talking about women who, even when we know their names, not enough people know their names. Olive was a woman who more people needed to know about. She's a woman like most of the women on this call. She's doing the work every day. She's not necessarily being celebrated, compensated, or um, credited for doing the work, but she is doing the work and she is in the good fight. So I'm happy we're talking about her. As I said in the email, she was born in St. Catherine, Jamaica, and she was raised in London. Shout out to the diaspora, to all of the black women who walk with us. We got women walking on the continent, women walking. We had a beautiful testimony from a woman in Jamaica where Olive was born. We just have so many women. Morgan herself is walking right now in Ghana. So we are a global movement, and I love that um, about talking about Olive today. The thing to know about Olive Morgan is that she was, like so many Black women, an accidental activist at first. She literally was walking down the street one day, intervened when she saw a Nigerian diplomat being pulled over and harassed by the police. Herself then was badly beaten by the police. Her brother said that he actually couldn't even recognize her. She was so, it was so bad. And that incident catapulted her into an activist. After that, and she was young, she was a teenager when that happened. After that, she actually went on to become a part of the Black Panther Youth Party in London. She was heavily organizing with the Black Panther Youth Party. And then she did two things that I really were going to get into today that I want to talk about. She founded two powerful organizations for Black women. And she founded those organizations because she said in particular that Black women in the United Kingdom did not have space or opportunity to come together and connect. So she founded the Brixton Black Women's Group, and then she founded the Organization of Women of African and Asian Descent. Both of those networks did powerful work and had decisive influence in mobilizing Black women to engage in politics, push back against equality, particularly in housing and education. 
She was known for going and occupying abandoned buildings. Several of the buildings that she actually occupied eventually were turned into bookstores and community centers and things for her community. So she was one of those folks who was like, bump it. I know there's this other work happening a layer above me, but this is what I'm going to do on the ground. She actually sadly became ill and had lymphoma and died at the age of 27. And Morgan, I actually wanted to start there in this conversation because, and I hope she's okay with me saying this, today on one of our Girl Trek staff members, the youngest member on our team, Abria, said, and it was heartbreaking to me, she said, I just, and Abria is only like 22 or 23, she said, I just want to have fun again. I just miss having fun, just being carefree with my friends. And when she first said it, Morgan, I was thinking, okay, but is this a time for us to be having fun? But I was like, no, of course this is a time for us to be having fun. And in fact, I'm heartbroken for Abria and every young Black girl because you should be having fun. And Olive Morris at the age of 27 shouldn't have had to do all of this work that she did in 27 years. And Morgan, I just wanted to say like, damn, we are tired because we have had to fight from a very early age, like a very early age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough in these streets, Vanessa. <laughs> it's, it's rough in these streets. You know, it's so funny. Speaking of our staff, she was saying that um, a key Mason, shout out to Key Mason on our team, she was saying, oh, it's funny that you mentioned Mississippi Burning because that was filmed in my hometown in Alabama. <laughs> it's like, when you're a little kid, you shouldn't be exposed right. to none of this injustice. You know what I mean? Like, you know the um the the viral clip that's going around where the where the baby girl has like the eye of the tiger and she's in the protest. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah. You know that's my too friend, much for that new, little body. No, that's too much for her little body. And a new was like, you know, Morgan, you could go ahead and retire because she got it. And I was like, no, she don't. Like, <laughs> no, she don't got it. And she don't need to have it because we need to cover her. Do you understand what I mean? She doesn't need to have that level of rage uh, as a baby. So, yeah, joy is resistance. Joy is resistance. Playtime uh, is revolutionary for, for children who have been oppressed. It really is. So, Abria, listen, on us. Go on out tonight. Put your mask on. Put your mask on. Get you a little drink. Put you a little skirt on, girl. Go ahead and go on the team. <laughs> okay, but don't ball out of you. <laughs> so yeah, I think we do have to declare space for for um for joy for joy. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we have to prepare space for joy. I think we have to protect the spirits of our young babies. Um, I think we, we want them in the fight, but we want them to be little girls. And it was actually a question that I was going to pose instead of the question that I ended up posing today. But I was like, even how young is it for our babies to be out at the protest? And trust me, I know like they need to see it. They need to be there. It's historic, but I'm just, and it, and it, and it's advancing something. But man, for every protest that our baby girls attend, I hope somebody is planning double Dutch contests for them in the middle of the street. And if you have a little well, girl no, at home, well, no, it becomes I, our culture. It becomes yes. our culture where where struggle becomes generational culture. And you know, I think yes. I was on a um, I was, had the great privilege yesterday to be on an interview with the mayor of New Orleans, the former mayor of New Orleans, and he was talking about like policy changes and all this sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, but this is also spiritual warfare because every time I see a picture of lynching right. and I see all the little kids who are sitting on their father's shoulders at a lynching. I know that they're mm-hmm. still living. You understand what I mean? And that they right. have in their spirits 
that collective um, kind of um, energy of, of mob, you know, that kind of mob yeah. energy. And so I think yeah. that it's wonderful for our kids to have that kind of freedom fighting energy, but there's also a shadow side to that freedom fighting energy, which is like a lack of ease, which we've been talking about, a lack of ability to relax and to, and to just um, even practice gratitude for what we have every moment because there's an angst to want, to, to want more, to want equality, to want freedom. Um, and I love that appetite for freedom. You better have it because we don't got it yet. Um, but there's a, there's a, I think there's a consequence to that. I think there's a consequence yeah. to that. So I don't, I don't envy parents who are making these hard decisions. And I, you know, listen, if I had a baby right now, I would take her to the protest as well. I just know that we have, we better balance it out with, um, with some joy. I got, you know, yeah. I got um, so frustrated and she might be on this call, but she's to power. I got so frustrated. I was on a call with actually a friend of mine and she's white and we were all checking in and I was upset, you know, about what's going on in the world. And I had my abolitionist shirt on. I had a bad attitude and it was like, you know, the beginning of a conference call where you check in and she was like, well, I was in the Redwoods hiking with my kids this morning and we were just having a good time. We were making forts and playing princess and like playing. And, and there was something that felt so unfair yeah. about it. It just yeah. felt so unfair. So I guess yeah. what I feel like is radical for mothers now is take your kids be, uh, is to be subversive right now with joy and to be subversive yeah. with play and to go out into the forest and let your kids just run and be free and don't comb their hair and like let them just experience joy and freedom right now, especially now. Yeah. There's some people who know that um, my mom was incarcerated most of um, my life when I was growing up and I made frequent visits to visit her um, in prison and jail, including even overnight stays in the prison because in Washington state, they have very liberal laws. And I tell people this all the time as an adult, I was a child. I did not have the emotional intelligence or maturity to navigate that space. And I understood wanting to, the adults in my life wanting me to stay connected to my mother. And I understand all the advocacy work that happens today around keeping mothers incarcerated connected with their children. But if you are not also wrapping your children with mental health services, with conversation, with um, outlets for them to express their pain or confusion or sadness or ask questions, then we're really doing them a disservice. We sometimes treat our kids like they are little adults. <laughs> I mean, they are little adults, but we treat them like they have had more um, maturity than we, they have. And we have an obligation to protect our children. And when you say, Morgan, it's spiritual warfare. Spiritually, we have to protect our kids' spirit so that we do have some of that um, that light inside of us. And I, I'm proud of the women in Girl Trek who have it, by the way. And there are so many, me and you included, as the leaders who came to this movement without it and got it through daily walking. We got it through yeah. daily walking. Like we reclaimed it. That thing that had been stolen from us as little girls, we reclaimed it through daily walking. Our joy, our light. There's not, you know, I just had a memory. I don't know if you remember this, but we were hiking in Colorado in the Rocky Mountains one time. And this was early on before the stress protest. And we had some organizers with us and we were teaching people to, to lead hikes. And so we were taking the organizers up the mountain and there we all got around the bend. Um, we went around this big old mountain and we were like down in the bend. And um, there was this white couple who had this little black girl who I think they had adopted. And the black girl was like running around, splashing into the waterfalls and stuff. And all of the black <laughs> women 
had like I don't know what we had. We had like a slight. We were a gas. We were a gas. A gas was the word. We was like, get that little girl out of that water. You know, stop her from playing like that. Like, get her close to you. You know, it was like immediate judgment that they weren't protecting her. But there was something else happening there where that little black girl was experiencing a freedom and a looseness. Yes. That maybe, maybe we were even to some degree. It's all kind of trash. Jealous. Resentful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Resentful. You know, so yeah. there's, there's some really strange dynamics around play, around looseness, around freedom that I just want black kids to have, y'all. Give your baby some freedom. Let them play in the puddles. Like, just give them a little bit of freedom. Yeah, yeah. I, yes. I just actually heard in my spirit. I heard in my spirit. All my girlfriends was like, but freedom is not safe for black kids right now. I just heard it. <laughs> I heard Morgan, but when you said that, I was thinking when I grow up, though. When you said yeah. that, I was thinking, I grew up, when I grew up um, in Seattle, the Green River Killer, the serial killer was on the loose. And I'm just going, but my grandma was like, okay, just be careful. But no, it is not safe out there also. But I do think actually someone posted this beautifully. Um, this woman I follow who's amazing. Um, she's called the Fresh Hotel on Instagram. I don't even know her real name, but she's just an amazing black woman. But she had posted something, Morgan, about how we actually face risk every day, though. And what we have to get better at as black people is assessing risk and making decisions. She was like, because there's a risk reward to everything. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the things that we're facing are real, but we sometimes don't assess the upside as much as we assess the downside. That's also something we've learned in our culture, right? We're immediately um, tuned into what could go wrong. And, I, and it's real and necessary and historic because of things that have happened. I do hope and believe, by the way, that this next phase of where we are going as a community is that we are vibrating to a place where we can be tuned into what's um, possible, right? And I think that that's coming through this healing work that we're doing. So I'm excited about that for our kids. I really am. Her yeah, baby, her girl. I had heard a John, uh, John Adams, uh, president, second president of the United States. I had heard a quote that he said that, and this is not a direct quote. Get you a friend like, who knows who the second president of the United States is, y'all. <laughs> Get you one of them friends, because I couldn't have told you that to save my life. Well, my friend knows you got to have you a friend in your corner who be knowing stuff. <laughs> So listen, he might have been the third, but let me. But anyway, John Adams was like, um, he said, um, we we fight wars so that our kids can be artists and philosophers. You understand what I mean? He was like, we. Yeah, I think he said we're yeah, lawyers yeah. And, and like we we build institutions so that our kids can be free to be creative thinkers. You know, and I kind of yeah. feel like we are like the American Revolution, which he was so instrumental in. I feel like we are as Black people are experiencing a revolution so that our kids can be artists and poets and, and, and really expand like the imagination, the collective imagination of our people. So they need to practice those skills of imagining. Um, I really think so. And not be traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you said that because I was thinking we're talking about Olive Morris today who obviously had Jamaican parents. And I was like, I have enough Caribbean friends and African friends to know their parents, especially if I look, you doing an engineer? You doing a doctor? You doing a lawyer? You doing something like, like don't be playing with a legacy out there in these American streets, trying to be no little ants and none of that stuff. Like people, we got things to do. So I mean, I don't even know if Olive Morris had a choice but to be an activist because her Jamaican mama might have been like, "Look, we ain't playing around. We about to get some work done out here." Um, and that's and that's real too. 
but Morgan, I want to, um, we have like Kim and Stephen, this is, this is the most, as I was reading about Olive, I was reading about her yesterday, last night, and you and I actually already, this, we had, we've like kind of been fangirls of Olive Morris for years as we've been designing yeah. Girl Trek programming. We've been looking at her photos. We've been using her own stickers. We've been looking at her, just really inspired by her. So this is, I'm excited that we finally get to share something that we love, um, like her with the masses. But the thing that she did that was most powerful, and this is so relevant to our work, and I'm going to first talk about some statistics that you and I talk about. Loneliness is deadlier than cigarette smoking, says most experts. Loneliness amongst Black women, and I was reading about it all this morning, is an epidemic, Morgan. It is an epidemic. 70% of Black women actually report feeling a level of depression and anxiety related to feeling alone or disconnected. And it cuts, it cuts across generations. It cuts across income levels. It cuts across um, um, whether you are married, not married, whether you have kids, don't have kids. We feel alone. And one of the things that Olive Morris did most powerfully was build networks of women in London who they, she didn't, she said she didn't, they didn't have the answers for everything. They didn't always have an agenda, but they had space and time to come together and talk, which is what we are doing today and this afternoon is what Girl Trek does. But let's talk about this loneliness for a second because sisters, if you are out there right now, if this, if this phone call is a lifeline for you, like welcome to this community of almost 750 something thousand black women as of today. Like we have your back. We have a support line. We have women walking on the ground. We have organizers and communities, but we had to build this for ourselves, Morgan, because it didn't exist. And I think it didn't exist. Um, and we were even a little bit lonely in our own world, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say to anybody out there, you're not alone right now. You're connected to all of us. There are women right now who are stepping with you in, in unison that we're walking forward on faith together as a community of sisters. So if you are, I know what it feels like to be at your last wit. I know what it, I know what it feels like to have darkness encroaching on both sides mm -hmm. of your face. And you're just like, I can't do it no more. And I want you to know you're not alone. That's number one, because we got you. Right. And if you feel alone, know that it is by design. Know that it is by design that this yes. has been a state-sanctioned destruction of the Black family from the prison industrial complex to uh, the housing laws and redlining and all of these systematic things to destroy our families, and it has worked. It is the reason why over 70% of Black women are reporting head of household in Black communities, because Trust, you mm -hmm. need, even if you get any government assistance, you can't let nobody even live with you, not even your man, not even your baby's father. I'm saying this right. has been by design. It has been by design. So I want you to hang strong and I want you not to lose your own presence of mind because actually I feel loneliness when I, when I don't have anybody to reflect my worth to me. I feel lonely, yeah. loneliest in those moments. Boy, when I tell you, when I connect to what is greater than me, when I stand on that higher rock and I can really, really find a presence of mind, I don't feel lonely. I feel expansive. I feel abundant. I feel radically connected to everybody around me. And I want that for black women. I want you to feel radically connected to everybody around you because you are. You are not yeah. siloed. Yeah, I do not. too. And I and I will say, Morgan, they're not siloed. I cut you off, and I want you to say that out into the universe. You're not siloed, so I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you're no. not siloed. 
And I wanted to say that um, from my own personal even experience, and I'm lucky to have you as a friend. And, you know, I have I have friends. I really do. And I have family and I have people and I have Girl Trek team and all this stuff. But I have this is also where and and man, this Girl Trek community is awesome. So I really am not alone. But also I have had to learn to create, um, enjoy my own company and sometimes and spend time with myself. And mm-hmm. cultivate that time so that sometimes I don't have to seek outside of myself to find that level of entertainment, that level of, you know, needing of busying of other people. It is sometimes spending time with yourself, even in, in ways that fill mm-hmm. you up so that when you get alone, it's not, oh, man, I have nothing to do. Right. So that your to do right. aren't That's all right. connected to somebody That's else. Right. Your to do cannot right. all be connected to who you're dating. Who, if your girlfriend calls you to go out somewhere on a Friday night, that's right. if your family got that's something right. going on, you you have got to spend time time with yourself. Take yourself on dates. Take yourself on house dates. Take yourself, you know, like look. We talk, run a hot bath. Like go places. Take walks by yourself. Stop lower. This is one. This is a word. Stop waiting on your girlfriends to book the trip. Stop waiting on your girlfriends, right? Like everybody's standing on some post-corona something. Look, if your girlfriends don't come through, Morgan, what they need to do? Finesse, the last five vacations I've been on have been by myself. Like I really, yeah. I got friends and I got loved ones. I yeah. came out of a great marriage, everything. But you are right. You're absolutely right. If you don't enjoy your own company, like all is lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm saying, like you really, really do. You really do. Yeah. So go ahead. That's your assignment. Book something wonderful. I mean, that you have been wanting to do that you can do now. It may be taking an yes. art class online. Just do something for yourself, with yourself, to bring yourself into a presence of mind, into this moment where you can feel yeah. so alive. I just think it's important. Yeah. I and connect with us because the reality yeah. Is, is, yeah, all of that is good. But sometimes you need somebody to make you laugh because, you know, the scripture says where two or three are gaps. That's the truth. That's where love is. That's where God is. And so we do want connection. We do want physical touch. We do want sisterhood and eye contact and love, like romantic relationships. We want all of those things as well, too. So also just don't deserve that. You deserve that. You also yeah. deserve that. Yeah. 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 They, we do deserve it. So, Morgan, we're going to get ready to wrap up. But before we do, um, one of Olive Morris's friends said that, and I wanted to leave this kind of as a last thought and reflection for folks. One of her friends said she never regarded herself as a leader, but in fact, she took the lead. And I was thinking, yeah, that's us every day. And I wonder where are we leading where we're not actually celebrating our own selves, where we're not actually literally regarding ourselves as leaders. And my challenge to everyone is in the way that Olive Morris, at 27 years, by the time she had passed away, she was only 27 years old. By the time she had founded the Brixton Black Women's Group, by the time she had founded the Organization of Women of African and Asian Descent, by the time that she had occupied and sat in at buildings and and fought for fair housing, by the time she had done all that, I don't even know if she realized she was doing it. She was just doing it. 
And this theme that I think we've been talking about a little bit every day in, in one form or another around like these little acts of kind of courageous activism that we're doing every day that we don't label. When I was reading this, Morgan, I was like one of the most powerful things that can happen at the end of this 21 days is that every single woman who has called in and completed this boot camp considers herself an activist, names herself an activist, proudly calls herself an activist by the end of this boot camp because we have got to start stepping into our power and owning what we do in the ways that we do it. And so my charge to everyone, Morgan, is where are you already leading? Where are you already leading in your life today? Celebrate and regard yourself. I'm going to do it, Morgan, even and not in the obvious ways where I would be like, oh, I'm a leader. This is what people think. But in some ways that I know I'm leading, for example, the healing of my actual family by pushing through and organizing um, virtual get togethers in, the, in, a, in a situation of serious trauma where I'm just like, you know what, somebody has to step up though in the family and say, even though we have these hurt feelings, I'm going to keep trying and keep trying. I'm leading my family and healing in that way. And it's not easy and I don't know how to do it, but I am trying and I'm a leader in that way. And I think other people, I'm, I mean, I'm sure we can stay on this line. I could tell you 50 ways that you are a leader, but you might want to share some, a personal one with someone right now. You there, Morgan? You thinking? Look, she's going to have, look, here, I don't know I'm where here. Morgan, no, no, no. I'm going to say, because I'm going to blow you up. I'm your friend. I got, I got all your leadership qualities. Don't play. I'm here. Okay. I have to put it on mute because this guy. The car was like, hey, 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 hey. And I was like, not on the call, brother. He was like, I like you a lot. No. So I, I, like, I was like, listen. Oh, man. Tell him the name of all of Trying to put it on mute. Listen, the way that I am really, 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 um, where I really see it like a brave leader is around lifestyle. I have really tried to like lean into what it feels like to define myself for myself. Um, and that has been scary, y'all. That has been scary. Everything from how I worship God to how I love, to who I love, to where I love, to where I live, to how I look, to how I manage, to how, you know, to the job I created for myself. Like I've really tried to create a kind of life that feels liberated. Um, and so I hope, I hope that I'm inspiring like my niece or like my friends or anybody to continue to do that. Um, and I looked at, and I looked to trekkers, so many trekkers, uh, Lanice in Memphis was, was uh, talking, she was doing a Facebook Live, and she was like, yeah, Vanessa Morgan told me I got to face my fears, but I ain't got no fears. And I was like, you don't, because you're my role model. <laughs> you absolutely don't. So I also look to the leadership of women in this community um, who are just living their lives out loud and vibrantly and full color. It's nice to see. I love this community for that reason. I love it, too. I love it, too. That's a really great way for us to end today's call. This has been day six of Black History Boot Camp with Girl Trek. Today we learned seven. about the powerful seven, day seven. Look at God. And I've been walking yeah. every day, y'all. Look, it ain't been easy. Lace <laughs> up and don't play around. Day seven of Girl Trek Black History Boot Camp. Today we learned about the young activist out of London. Her name was Olive Morris. Um, walk in celebration of her today. Walk in celebration of all of the unsung Black women who are doing the work and leading. 
um, and let's lift them up and let's especially lift up our young girls who are following in our footsteps and getting ready to take the baton. So be well, everyone. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye.